0: Thank you for joining us for On a Positive Note. I'm your host, Paula Phelps, and each month I'm sitting down with a songwriter, recording artist, or music insider to learn how music can lift our spirits and heal our hearts. Music is a great tool for bringing people together, and during the days of the lockdown, the Marsh family from Kent, England, began sharing song parodies to express what they were going through. As it turns out, they were exactly what we needed, and their viral videos now have received more than 30 million views. They were dubbed the Von Trapped family by the New York Times, and today I'm sitting down with parents Ben and Danielle Marsh to talk about how their family's humorous approach to the pandemic helped them keep their own sanity while turning their family into a global sensation. Danielle and Ben, welcome to On a Positive Note.
1: Hi, nice to speak to you.
0: Oh, I'm so excited to have you here. Uh, <laughs> I've been watching you on YouTube all through the pandemic and, you know, you really changed the pandemic experience for so many people and the world has fallen in love with your family. So, I want to know to start it out, was your family already singing together before the lockdown?
1: Yes. Not to the same degree and not with a camera normally. It was just something that we we did from when the kids were really little actually yeah I think I've said it before but it was always a very cheap Christmas present for grandparents and and (laughs) we could kind of rally them to do some sort of it was normally musicals wasn't it that we got them to do in the in the days gone by when they were little and it's lovely to look back at because none of them could say any of the words and it was just you know it was just for us it was our family album.
2: Yeah so it started off with playing songs with the kids singing along like like lots of people do bad guitar playing uh, and that sort of thing and then it grew into something that we'd occasionally share with family on Facebook and then we made one of them public I think on Facebook because some of our family were saying this is really good you should make it available and that's that was when everything really kicked off at the the start (laughs) of the pandemic yeah.
1: Yeah I think we were just right at that moment when there was nothing to fill the airwaves and everyone was really scared and at home and not knowing what to do and we'd sort of the week before everybody locked down in, in England we'd sort of pulled our kids from school and sort of said, right, OK, what are we going to do? There was nothing. So, yeah, we just got the instruments out and had a bit of a go at a song. And and then the, it seemed like a nice thing to do for my mum's birthday, which we, we realised we weren't going to see her for. And then, yeah, that was it, really. We went to bed one night and you were supposed to be in the States at a conference. And a friend that you had been planning to meet said, oh, I think that, that song that you put up is brilliant. Can I share it? And we sort of went, yeah, OK, went to bed, woke up the next morning and there were millions of you. <laughs> <It> was. <laughs> Totally
0: bizarre. That well, I mean, You truly were an overnight sensation. And talk about that song. It's that One Day More yep. from Les Miserables. Tell us a little bit about crafting that song and and what you did with it.
2: Oh, well, I mean, it's such a rousing song from such an iconic, amazing musical. For us, it was always listening to Les Mis was great because it ate up about five hours of car journeys <laughs> around, the, around the UK. And you knew if you put it on. We always had to sort of explain it to the kids when they're a bit young because obviously there's some sensitive material in there to do with prostitutes and also, you know, all sorts of stuff. So we'd make up these stories around it. There was always a bit of humour in that. And, you know, people would take it in turns to sing songs like uh, All Females. I think I Dreamed a Dream. And, you know, there, there are so many. So we kind of take it in turns in the car. And we always loved One Day More because it's such a brilliant chorus piece that brings all of the tunes together, brings all the characters together. So it had kind of been on our radar as one that we'd always sing along to anyway. And then when we thought we could give, do you know what, this is this is exactly what we're all living through. This idea of one day more. Suddenly, our world had been completely and utterly destabilized because we didn't know where the shopping was coming from. We did in the UK. We had all this panic about panic buying of toilet rolls. I Nobody knew. We where had it, that here, too. <laughs> All the advice was kind of frantically being cobbled together because no one quite understood what was happening. And so in a sense, we were all glued to our televisions in a a quite traumatic way and glued to the news. And we kind of just needed to restore something at home and have something to do so that. Yeah, the song became a way of putting that experience into one piece that we could have that we needed a laugh. Mm -hmm. Right. You were kind of ready to be shocked at everything that was arriving, trying to figure it out. So it was part of our parenting, really, which is just to try and make something fun and less frightening.
1: And also relatable because there's big, massive things going on in the world. But here... I couldn't get a delivery slot for some food to be, del- you know, it was that kind of, right. you, can, you can't panic about everything out there. You've got, you kind of bring it back to what's happening with your lives. And so Ben disappeared off for a bath and came back and said, I've written some words. And we sat around the table and I vividly remember sort of singing it through the first time. And as we kind of reached the end of it, we all kind of went, well, that was good fun. And we said, well, well, let's have a go. I think we came back from a dog. But the kids, it's always the half the videos that we've put up on YouTube, there's been various states of pajamas and things. Cause it was always after bath time or after, after tea time, we'd say, "Well, let's let's give it a go and see if we can manage it." Yeah, and we just sort of sang it through. It wasn't perfect. There's an argument in the middle. <laughs> kind of at the beginning, I think of uh, Thomas and various people. And yeah, we just did it because it made us feel better. And I think fundamentally, that's why we've always done it. It, it gives you a reason to all get in a room together and talk about something other than what was on the news or right. what you know what you'd done today. And it just yeah, it was really good fun. And then. Very quickly, we realized it was kind of quite important to other people. And that seemed yeah. quite startling that you you could be locked in your own living room and other people were feeling the same as you across the world and appreciating their stuff that you were doing. So, it, yeah, it made the world smaller at a time when everything felt far too big and scary.
0: And talk about, Ben, the, the lyrics for it. Kind of talk about the premise of the song for those that haven't heard it.
2: Well, so that in the original, Valjean is the character that ties all of the plots of Les Mis together, and in in our house, it's Mummy that kind of that is the heart, (laughs) the beating heart of what goes on. And if something's wrong, you hear her from whatever room you're in, Um, and if everything's fine, you sort of hear her laughing in whatever room. You're in. So it made perfect sense for her to be and and in terms of vocal range, it worked really well as well. So she kind of opens up the song and talks about the prospect of the next day. She's been shopping for online delivery, but we don't know when it's going to happen. We don't, we're not allowed to go to supermarkets. So is the material going to arrive? Are we going to be able to kind of eat? Are we going to get what we ordered? all that sort of stuff. And then one by one, the other characters come in. But in this case, in our sort of pandemic version, the characters are arriving with our own individual problems because Thomas is really grumpy, for instance, the y- youngest son. So we've got two boys, two girls. He's the second. And he loves football. He's really into his football. We're all Watford fans in this house. I should say soccer for an American. American <laughs> thanks, for,
0: thanks for the <laughs> translation.
2: <laughs> And yeah, he was gutted because all, all the matches got cancelled. He couldn't play with his friends. He was kind of stuck indoors. So he plays Marius and starts singing about problems with football. And then piece by piece, each of us kind of come in and adds a different dynamic for where we're suffering. So Ella's missing her friends and she's trying to find them on the phone. We've got problems with internet signals and how much uh
1: grandparents like who can't use Skype.
2: Trying to get yeah, try, <laughs> trying to reach out to grandparents who we're not going to see for a while who were struggling and then I sort of come in already with uh, with a bottle of beer open I think just with the nightmare which we all faced Any- anyone with kids and, and in fact you know grandparents as well faces like how do you entertain children and then try and pretend that you're schooling them as well so this is, there was that realization at the start of pandemic that all these people that our society generally kind of just let get on with their jobs and rather overlooked like men and teachers and nurses suddenly were absolutely at the centre of what's important in society Mm. and that's something it's kind of depressing that we've moved so quickly away from all that because there was a moment where we realised how interconnected we all were and I think that's kind of a little bit what we wanted to channel during the pandemic.
1: Yeah so yeah and then it ends with us all sort of you know waiting to see what tomorrow brings I suppose but it hopefully in a slightly rousing way and certainly we found it certainly wasn't the best You know, there were a few duff notes and there were bits and pieces that we could have done again. But it captured that moment. We did it. We walked away and we thought, oh, well, grandparents will like it. And off we went. Oh, my gosh,
0: because you did. You captured what everybody was feeling like. There's each character or person in that song, like there is someone who feels that way in your house. (laughs) And sometimes (laughs) you felt like multiple things of those. And
1: And I think what was quite surprising, and I think this is what really cut through right in those early days, is that there were six of us in this house and there were a lot of people sat home by themselves or with a couple of people, people who loved to sing, people who ordinarily would have turned to groups like choirs and things. Mm -hmm. And you just couldn't make that volume of noise. We were kind of thinking, where am I going to get some quiet and some peace because everybody's in the same room? And you realise that other people are watching going, I wish I had that. I wish I had that volume and that capacity and those people around me because I'm alone. And so it was nice to recognise that, the things that make you tear your hair out when you're sort of thinking, how am I going to feed you? We can't want to eat again. Surely it's just been lunch. <laughs> I fed you right. yesterday. Exactly. And then, you know, and there are other people watching from Australia and New Zealand and America saying that reminds me of what my house used to be like, or that reminds me of when my kids were young or when I lived back at home with my brothers and sisters. So it was completely overwhelming and delightful and terrifying all in one go and yeah and we started very quickly getting lovely messages from people saying I work on an intensive care unit and I came home this morning and this made me smile for the first time in, you mm-hmm. know, and those kind of messages really cut through and you sort of think, yeah, maybe I'm just sitting in my living room and that's the best I can do, you know, to not be out and about and not put pressure on health services and everything else. But if we can add something extra, if we can add a bit of a smile and then that quite quickly became a bit of a focus of ours, I suppose. It was nice for the kids to sort of feel like we were making a difference for some people, even if we oh, were going yeah. anywhere.
0: You, I mean, you were really, putting into words what a lot of people felt, and you were doing it with humor and levity and beautiful music. And I mean, those things combined in one package, you, you could not find it anywhere else. And, and how quickly after that first hit, after <laughs> that first viral video, how quickly did you start doing more? Did you take a breath or did you say, let's jump on this?
2: It, well, it was a bit I mean, it was a bit overwhelming, to be honest, to, to begin with, because suddenly we had all of these, we were trying to do our jobs remotely as well and homeschool the kids. And then suddenly we had all these messages from international kind of media, wanting wondering if we could perform this or could we go on this show? And so... We didn't want to say no to anything because we didn't think that we could make any difference to how anyone was feeling. We thought the best thing we could do is just kind of get out of the way and let the people deal with the pandemic who were in the best place to. And so, yeah, for a week or two, it was kind of, we had headaches like through the whole thing. It sounds really weird to complain about. I
1: know, I've never been that exhausted. I've had four children and I was more (laughs) exhausted in those two weeks. Really? We we felt a real weight of responsibility and we were scared. (laughs) The British press are renowned for taking putting somebody up on a pedestal and then deciding that they don't want them there anymore and we were very aware that we didn't want to do we didn't want to say yes to some people and no to others and we didn't want to look like we were we didn't want to look like we were profiting out of anything that had happened we didn't want to look like we were yeah, yeah the pandemic's been brilliant for us so we were really minded that what we wanted to do was talk to the people that wanted to talk it up to us and we actually said we'll do two weeks and then we'll go away because we didn't want to say no when people felt that we mattered and we would made a difference to them but we equally didn't want to be there going you know watch us again so we did that we we actually we drew a line I think it was about the Thursday of the second week and a couple lots of other messages have come in say but we would moved from being a news story to I suppose being you know would you like to come on this show and chat about something different. And we just felt like that wasn't our place and we didn't feel comfortable and we were (laughs) exhausted. And we just said, thank you very much and we turned the last things down and we said that'll be us and then because of these messages that we'd had these sort of the few people that kind of cut through many of whom i'm still messaging now we didn't want to completely shut off because there were you know i got one message from someone who'd been at their father's funeral that day who said you know i came home and i watched this and and it felt like if we could keep a window open i suppose and at that point we just set up this youtube channel we didn't tell anybody about it we just sort of put it up and we put the one day more song on it and a couple of other songs that we'd done previously we did one right at the beginning of the pandemic a version of the Rapunzel song Tangled song and a couple that we'd done before any of this happened and we just kind of left it at that and what was nice was because there weren't many people you know subscribers I don't think we've ever said like and subscribe but we had very few people apart from those small number who'd sort of found us We sort of could then just keep going in a quite quiet and downplayed sort of way. So we just kept using it as our therapy. But each time we put out a little song, maybe a few more people watched it or shared it. And it built quite slowly from there. Over the first summer, we did a few more songs. But as with most of the things we do, they weren't necessarily, we weren't thinking, what other thing can we say about the pandemic? We were talking about a lot of things that were going on in our lives and that we were talking about with the kids I think we did someone yeah Black Lives Matter was a big thing at that point in time and and then we did one about going back to school or not going back to school so it just sort of built very slowly until we got to I don't know the Christmas of the first year and the Hallelujah song happened and that, that had the new job happened and yeah basically after that it increased incrementally I suppose but it was not something that we were seeking
0: Right. You were providing like a service, like an emotional (laughs) service for so many people. And the first time I heard Totally Fixed Where We Are, I lost my mind. I'm like, that is the most brilliant parody. I am such a huge fan of parody. And I was like, oh my gosh, that just killed it. I I probably listened to it five times back to back that first time. (laughs) And it was just amazing to me. So, And that one really went viral. That one... I saw everywhere. So, so did that kind of kick things back up for you? Yeah,
2: it picked up again, I think, at the in January 2021 with Have the New Jab, but we with a song which was about vaccination, a real urgency in the UK, and lots of concern like that has been all over the world. Obviously, vaccines are a complicated subject matter. People have very strong feelings one way or the other. But this was at the point of a big second wave in the UK. And really the only kind of outlet for us is the as sadly the death toll was really driving up, and once again, we were back in full lockdown, were these new uh, vaccines. And and so we we chose to present a kind of pro-vaccination song that hopefully had some humour in it, but that was part of this bigger idea that has grown with us, I think, over the course of the pandemic, which is that we are connected to people that we didn't realise. People in America who aren't just like early American, my early American historian peeps and friends on my network, but People in New Zealand and people in Finland, and reaching out, and suddenly there was there was an odd sense that actually we were going through the same thing because of the pandemic, and we were in touch with them, and so yeah, we we tried to build, I think, on that kind of sensibility. And then Totally Fixed. I mean, we've always loved parodies. We've listened to, besides the musicals, which we've kind of talked about, and the other kind of stuff that we've always laughed along with the kids to people like Weird Al Mm Yankovic. So there's that kind of side of songs and humour. And really what happened with Totally Fixed Where We Are is those two sort of things came together. And it's a power ballad that is so, I mean, it's so weird in the first place. <laughs> it's Jim, Jim Steinman, like I think the original one's like 12 minutes long or something, yeah. the full version. And we'd always loved this uh, ridiculous video that was created at some point in the 80s uh, in like a gothic house. Which yeah, was, the little um,
0: shining eyes and yeah, the yeah, water kind of, flying around. and Children
2: yeah. of the Damned. So as well as being an iconic song that, that everyone knew, it already felt one that you could kind of take the mickey out of with it. And because it's so long and because the way the lyrics sit with it, I think it just offered itself up to a whole set of reflections about what it's been like to be stuck again in this second big lockdown.
1: And I think the second time around, the first time, obviously, there's a rising panic. This has never happened before. What are we going to do? The second time round, there was a grim familiarity. Right. We knew what this was going to be like. Only this time is winter. And it's cold, and there's nothing, and and it just felt a bit bleak, especially by the end of that January. So when we did, when we did the the song, and we did record, it, I mean, I vividly remember saying, "Look, if we're going to do it, we'll have to do it now because I've moved the sofa." And we <laughs> kind of- we just stood there, and I think we knew. We did about two runs through. And we did the second one, and we knew it had gone. Like you can tell when they've worked because we all sort of feel a bit like, yeah, that w- that was a good one. We all look at each other as if to say, "Did you make it? No, I didn't think I made it." That- I think we're all right. And then we kind of, you know, walked away again and just sort of. And Ben did his magic by putting the video together. But again, and the thing about viral videos is that you lose control of them. They're not yours to just to kind of give out to whoever chooses to see them. So yeah, that one was a perfect example of that because we were both working. I was working, it was a Thursday afternoon or something. And I kept getting messages from people I hadn't spoken to for a long time saying it's brilliant. And I was thinking, well, I can see on YouTube that it's had a lot of likes, but not that many. And obviously somebody had taken it and it had gone wild, but it had ended up in a, a format and a way that we couldn't kind of keep hold of. So it was a shock again, because people were saying, it's been sent to me by someone from Australia. And I was we were thinking, what are you talking about? And then very shortly after that, we got a message from uh, Richard Curtis's team who organizes a big charity over here, Comic Relief. They asked us if we would perform it on their their show. So, yeah, it went from being kind of we're stuck in our house. What are we going to do to, oh, my goodness, we might actually have to do something outside of our house. This is and you
0: wore stuff. your pajamas for it. <laughs> oh
1: yeah that, that was amazing <laughs> yeah they supplied the pajamas but yeah that was that was slightly ironic yes we finally get out and I'm still in slippers but yeah that, I, I think when whenever the kids are asked now because of course from that, you know from Tessa's point of view so much of her life has been now taken up with all of the kind of mm-hmm. pandemic and everything else if you ask them what their most amazing high points were going on comic relief and doing that song was definitely up there and
0: once you did that you did that performance with comic relief and you've done some other things that have kind of changed the direction you have really used it to send some positive messaging you did something about prostate cancer you were going to talk about your new song (laughs) here in a minute but so how did that kind of change to like we want to get these causes out there and we want to make people aware
1: i think with all the stuff we've done we've come at it from our own personal point of view and we had some lovely messages quite early on with people saying would you write a song about and we've generally sort of shied away from that because we didn't want to sort of parachute in on somebody else's issue or something else and start telling people how to deal with it or you know talk about it but what we realized when we did the have the new jab song is that what we were able to do that a lot of people couldn't was we were able to start conversations that people would sit round a, a table and say have you ever, you know, had your prostate checked, dad, or why don't you want to have a vaccine? What do you think about it? And we cut through in a way that I suppose when we're becoming more and more entrenched in our opinions and more and more polarised in our world, we could cut through in a, a way that a lot of other people couldn't. And they might be incredibly angry and disagree entirely with what we were saying, but they would still say, but the girls sang beautifully or I really liked how you did that bit. I don't agree. And I suppose it challenged people in a slightly different way. And rather than being entirely defensive with a lot of their opinions, they might listen, maybe ask a question that they wouldn't have asked. And certainly, have the new jab made us realise that, obviously, you you set yourself up for a lot more vitriol. But people will also say, actually, I did ask that question because I wasn't sure about that. And when Prostate Cancer UK came to us, we'd spoken to them way early on because we'd written a song when my dad got the all clear for prostate cancer, which we'd done well before the whole pandemic singing thing happened and we put that on the youtube channel and they'd come to us because they'd seen it our prostatectomy song that we did for my dad's christmas present the year that he had his big operation and they said would you would you do something for us so again it was a personal thing for us
2: but i think I- it's is one of those where music can sort of soften things mm-hmm. and and satire and parody can often sharpens things and you get into a really interesting terrain especially with science messaging or science communication and and health issues and health communication because it's it's quite a different place to be thinking about the subject matter or sharing the subject matter whether it's sharing kind of personal experiences or talking about bigger much bigger issues so I, I felt it's quite a rich area as well to kind of stray into And as usual with us, it's kind of partly also just about teaching the kids about discussions about vaccination or about cancer or hormones or whatever it may be. It's a great place to channel some of that thinking that's not kind of confrontational. It feels at the moment, especially when you look at social media or something that everyone is drawing their little Venn diagrams of their people that they don't like taking a step beyond it. And so this is a way of ourselves kind of doing it. And yeah, it felt like it's something that Maybe other people don't do because it's if you're a professional artist, if you make your living from entertainment or whatever, then it suddenly becomes a lot more complicated what you're able to say and what you're not able to say. And and because we're not, it's something that we can kind of, yeah, we can do as long as we don't end up sounding massively preachy or, you know. Right. um, Yeah, because I had a
0: great writing mentor who, who taught me that humor can open someone's heart and then that gives you the doorway to put your messaging in and you know and that's really what you guys did you make us laugh and you also make us think and we're more welcoming of a different mindset because of the humor
1: and i think we weren't trying to sort of give a message and tell people that we knew best we were simply saying especially with the, the prostate cancer one these are the people who you should talk to if you if you haven't if you're not sure if you're worried if you've put things off if you haven't asked the question then go here and get yourself checked but you know Ask the question because you're important and it doesn't matter that, you know, everything else is going on in the world because this is something that you need to make a priority. So I think if we were trying to do it and tell people something because we wanted, you know, to them to know it because we have the answers. That would be, I, I suspect, an awful and, and a lot more preachy. Whereas this was simply us saying, you know, ask the questions, go look out for yourself, and yeah, coming at it, you you found out an awful lot more about the prostate than you had ever known yourself, and you sort of <laughs> think we're we're now of the age that those kind of things are definitely things that you expect someone's going to tell you. And then you realize no one's actually going to come up and uh, give you that lesson. So yeah, it was, it came from our, in that instance, being asked to do it, but then our experiences and everything else and being able to talk about my dad and, you know, he was, he's a medic and he was still nearly too late. He, he put things aside and, and didn't, didn't ask the questions when he should have done. So it felt, yeah, there's a lot of things we've done that have been lovely because people have felt they were important to them, but this felt like it was important. And that, yeah. that was a definite incentive to to do it.
0: That's fantastic. And you have a new song. Which hits very close to home for me, I must say. <laughs> Tell us
1: about that. It's a, yeah. So, just before the first lockdown, I was diagnosed with a form of rheumatoid arthritis, which I kind of had known was coming because my dad had it. But, and they put me on a form of medication that can be used, I think, in higher doses as a chemo drug. So, I was put on this new drug in sort of January 2020. And then, yeah, and immediately, it transpired was then pushed into menopause but didn't really know that was what was happening and then lockdown happened so all the way through that first sort of two week chaos everything i was thinking i don't feel right if there's something going on this is all very peculiar so yeah as an undercurrent everything else has gone in the past two years i was yeah i was told yes you are definitely menopausal and yes you've got this and you've got that and you're going to need to start this and that and we thought yeah you either just kind of get on and pretend it's not happening or you say to the kids well, look I'm not going to cope as well with life today as I might have done previously. And this is why. And it felt like we don't do that enough. And I suppose having done that, the prostate cancer thing, we were talking at Christmas, you and the boys had come up with a great riff that you'd been playing through, just having a go at. And you said, what could this song be about? What, what, what's going on in our world? And I
2: sort of... Yeah, this went, was this was one where the music, because this is one we wrote ourselves, the music and kind of came together separately from the, the concept and the lyrics. But then once we felt that it fitted, actually... A song about the menopause you imagine needs to be a certain way, and actually there are lots of lots of great parodies about the menopause. There's a musical about the menopause, and it's kind of usually there's a certain sort of style. And and in in our case, we wanted to have something that was able to be uplifting, and actually that you could kind of dance to because it felt <laughs> counterintuitive that this is not something you're supposed to. This is supposed to be a kind of a tragic, traumatic Ending. moment, the change, right, yeah. where everything, where everything, where all the all the great things about youth and sexuality and stuff is is being transformed. And so we didn't want to cast it in that light and just just kind of poke fun at it. But it was a really interesting one to write because striking the balance... I mean, usually I come up with some lyrics, typically in the bath, and I put them in front of the family and people go, I don't want to sing that or I'm not going to sing that word or that should be theirs or... In this case, because the subject matter, obviously, Danielle had complete veto over what she wanted, what could go in or what couldn't go in. But, you know, when we first talked about it, I'd never heard of this word perimenopause. I'd never I'm a I've written a book on gender history and I had it's just it was not on my radar at all that there was a thing called the perimenopause. And so it was part of my education and then our education as the kids. And we sort of thought, well, why, why not? Why not turn that into an uplifting song, a song that you can sort of dance to?
1: Yeah. And I think even though a lot of my friends are a little bit older than me, none of us really knew very much about what was going on. It was just I think we all assumed that at some point you would just wake up and go, oh, now I need to go and and someone will inform. And no, it's all this kind of I mean, I almost feel kind of grateful that mine happened so swiftly that I wasn't in that kind of, "Mm, is it, am I not? Am I going slightly? Is it, am I down? Am I depressed? There was no question about it for me. And so the number of my friends who've come to me and gone, so you did what and you're taking what and how does that work and how do you feel? And you realise that again, there is no fount of knowledge that you suddenly get introduced to when you hit 49 or 50 or 50. Everybody thinks it's older than they are. Everyone's surprised, I think, when it happens to them. And so, yeah, why should it be taboo? Why shouldn't we talk about it? Why should we just sort of, say under our breath, "Mommy's a little bit delicate and just expect (laughs) that we'll all sort of wake up when we're sort of through this messy stage and be okay again. So it was like, no, actually, it's not all negative. There are moments where I'm not going to like things that are happening, but I don't want my daughters who aren't quite in the first phase of this to look and say, oh, well, remember that time when mommy just lost it and everything dreadful happens when you hit your 40s. I wanted them to see it as kind of a powerful move and it's not the end. It's just, a, you know, a new phase. And even if I'm not entirely convinced of it myself, we can uh, we can pretend until we actually believe it.
2: Make so, it till you make absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I, I was, think
0: too, it's good for men to hear this. Like it's an excellent song because I think as much as we as females don't know what, is going on with us. Oh my God. I think about the men. They're like, where's my wife? Yeah. <laughs> Where and, did she go? And somebody said, person, that. I think.
1: somebody said, Oh, I don't think this is appropriate for, for boys and men to hear. And I was like, well, they've all got mothers. They've all got wives. Maybe not this particular individual who said it, but actually this is what demystifies a topic. This is what makes everybody feel comfortable to ask questions because it is different for everybody. There isn't a, a, start, a set start and a set, set end and a one-size-fits-all type of medication some people don't need anything some people need you know lots of different types that they have to try out the whole point is that we should it happens to over half the population so why are we not able to talk about it and yeah why should the kids not know about it now why do we sort of take them aside at some point and and, in hushed voice say something's going to happen one day and you you'll know when it does like no and you won't
0: understand it and
1: you won't understand it and you'll think it's only you and you'll keep leaving rooms and overheating and feeling like you know you need to apologize for yourself no we should be much more comfortable in talking about it before it happens and after it happens and during it so yeah, the song.
2: I mean, it's a weird one for us because we're at the point where, because of the age of the kids as well, that there's a lot of hormones just flying oh, around the yes. house, ge- like generally of a morning or of an afternoon. But it's made it possible for them, I think, and for us in a way to, to, to see this journey that each of us is on. And they're about, you know, they're hitting spots and puberty at the moment. And then we're in different phases where, you know, things are going wrong and going gray and moving to new terrains. But it sort of humanizes everything. And I think we need that in a much bigger way across our societies to do with the workplace and women in their 40s and early 50s. And you look at questions of retention, promotion, the glass ceiling and all sorts of other other ways, people leaving remunerative work or kind of switching career tracks. And it's there's there's a lot for us to kind of get our heads around in a much bigger way about this, but it has to start with, yeah, with those smaller looks and conversations and Mm. sometimes escaping the room when it's the right moment for everyone to escape (laughs) Yeah,
0: absolutely. (laughs) So so what are you going to do next? Do you have more parodies planned? Are you going to do some more things like you've done with the biological clock song or what's your future landscape looking like?
2: So what we'd love to do is be able to grow slightly what we're doing and do some more original songs potentially. And luckily we've got an incredible support Base through a site called Patreon of people that can support us each month. So yes. we're learning and developing ourselves for now. And if in three or four years' time there's something that we're doing that's still of interest to, to lots of people, and the kids are old enough to kind of think of it as something that they really want to do as a career, not just something that they're doing on top of other stuff, yeah then we can be in a position to grab those opportunities. But in the meantime, we're happy, you know, carrying on doing doing what we're doing.
1: So yeah, we'll keep going as we are for a while and see where we end up, I suppose
2: that
0: is terrific so you have certainly kept us entertained and we so look forward to what's coming and thank you for sitting down and talking with me today i've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and i know that our listeners will too oh
1: you're very welcome lovely to 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 speak yeah
0: that was ben and danielle marsh talking about how their family is using music and humor to bring people together If you'd like to learn more about the Marsh family, subscribe to their YouTube channel or follow them on social media, just visit livehappy.com and click on the podcast link. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of On a Positive Note and look forward to joining you again next month. And until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one.